0: You're listening to the She Is Fierce Podcast. I'm Kelly Youngs, the founder of She Is Fierce, a global women's network that elevates women's stories and gives you the tools and connection you need to live on purpose. We support female leaders and business owners who are ready to level up in business and life and make their mark in the world and we partner with and provide speakers and development programs for companies that believe in the power of supporting female leaders and women on the rise. On our podcast, you'll hear the inspiring stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who have overcome challenges and built purpose-filled lives. And you'll get a behind-the-scenes look at my mission-driven business and learn how to brand and grow your own. Melissa is the founder of Brown Girls in the Boardroom, a nonprofit organization focused on the next generation of female leaders through innovative multi-generational training initiatives, development and mentoring for underserved women and girls. BGBR's mission is to build a brighter future for all girls and women and help them become who they secretly dream of being. Because I think about
1: what my life could have been had it not been for my sisters. It moves me in ways that I can't even explain. Thank you to you for joining us. Let me say that first. Thank you, Kelly, for having me. Always a pleasure. You're just so amazing. Your energy is amazing. The great work that you're doing is amazing. So I am humbled to even be a part of this conversation.
0: Well, it honestly means the world to me to hear you say that because I think so highly of you. So thank you. So can you just tell them a little bit about you and especially Brown Girls in the Boardroom? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I am
1: originally from South Florida, a little town called Deerfield Beach, left home 1988, went to college had a short stint in the military, got commissioned as an officer, did some reserve time, finished my degree, and started on this journey as an accountant. And I only majored in accounting because I was really good at math in high school, right? So became an accountant, uh, worked in that space for about three years, Uh, was on a project team to implement uh, a technology solution, Oracle, and was representing finance. And the team at the time, it was a big four, Approached me and said, "We love your style. We think you're really good at this. You should become a member of the project team." And I'm like, "Wait a minute! I'm not. I'm not technical. Like I, I'm not going in a dark room and doing this code, right?" And yeah. so, um, I love to communicate and I like numbers. And so, because it was the system of choice for finance, I did um, accept the opportunity to become a part of the project team, and it changed the course of my my career. But got a job here in Jacksonville to start leading this Oracle practice. And so that's when this whole leadership track started. Got sponsored by an organization I was working for to get my executive MBA from JU. And then uh, it was just, from there, it just seems like I got excited about the technology work, took another opportunity to move up as a vice president, did that for a couple of years. And now I have this amazing opportunity to serve as the CIO for CSI Companies. And I'm just super excited about being a part of this organization and and, and how I can help make a difference uh, in the community.
0: I'm super excited for CSI (laughs) company that they hired you because I know that there are big things coming for them just based on the fact that you're there. And I think that I I feel lucky enough to have watched you as you have had many iterations, even since we first connected a few years ago and you created as a completely independent nonprofit venture from your existing career, you yes. created this phenomenal nonprofit that I remember talking to you about. <laughs> you were still kind of creating it in your mind and thinking about what it might be. So, can you share a little bit about Brown Girls in the Boardroom and how it started? Yes, I, I must give you credit though, because <laughs> I remember this
1: day. You sitting in my office and telling me about how you dreamt about She is Fierce and how it came to life. And that encouraged me more than you know. I'm like, I can do this. She is fierce. She did it. Like, I can do this, right? And so, first of all, thank you for encouraging me even along the way. And so, yes, I shared once with, with the She is Fierce community and how my mom died when I was three and my mentor's were my big sisters, right? And they told me how to talk and walk, how to carry myself. Once I started working, I never lost track of the things that they told me. And so I say that only to say that mentorship has always been a big part of my life, right? Before I knew of a mentor, they were serving in that capacity. And so I was working. One of the companies that I was employed at, we needed to do a community exercise, if you will. One of our goals in the community was to partner and try to bring more diversity into our workforce. And so at that time, there was a historically black college in Jacksonville. And one of our goals was to partner with them to try and make sure that we can bring in some of their co-ops and internships into that organization. And so I was leading an initiative at the time to help that effort, and so we went to this college, and the goal was to make sure that they had great resumes, and that they had interviewing skills, and that they they dressed the part. And so I took that so very personal. The girls, I would actually bring clothes out of my closet mm-hmm. to make sure that they had what they needed for the interview, and had them, you know, meet with them so that they would prep to to ensure that they, you know, felt confident about this interviewing. So I was doing that, and it started to catch on that. We had another round of these interviews for co-ops and they were actually landing jobs. And so it became a thing for me to help coach these girls. And so even outside of a formal process, I would continue to talk to them and mentor them and help them. And so I, I was sitting one day in, in an executive meeting in boardroom, literally, and I looked around the table and you know, uh, people were talking about diversity and inclusion and all of that. And I looked around the room and I'm thinking, there's no one else that looks like me around this table. Mm -hmm. And oh, Melissa, how can you help change the narrative around it? Right. And I'm like, I'm already kind of doing the work. How do I formalize it? And literally at that moment, Kelly, brown girls in the boardroom literally came to me like an audible voice. And I'm like, "Uh, I felt, you know, I've shared this with you. I felt you know, that I wasn't being inclusive to call it brown girls in the boardroom. And maybe people will think that, you know, I'm I'm, I'm isolating folks. But Mm -hmm. I thought that's what I know how to be. Like, I know how to be a brown girl. And so (laughs) I've been helping to to help shape the lives of some other girls. And so why not make this formalized? And that's what I've done. And I'm telling you what, it was during the pandemic, I was turning 50 and I said, you know what, for my 50th birthday, I'm going to give myself permission to launch this thing. And to really formalize it. And that's what I did. In August of uh, 2020, I um, launched the Brown Girls in the Boardroom Nonprofit. And it has been the most amazing and fulfilling thing that I think I've done in a long time.
0: I'm so grateful to you for saying that. If if you hear one person say, I had this big dream and then I actually did it, and then it worked, even though there might be challenges, it still works out, that it gives you the, the confidence to do that. So I appreciate you walking us through that. And then also I love that your mission is so specific. And I think I've shared this with you personally, but because I think it allows you to connect with that audience even more, right? And very much like she, I just had a conversation earlier today, with somebody where I said, well, men are invited. We would love to have men that are, they're not our target audience, but they're very welcome, right? And I love that that is your approach as well. You know who you are helping, and that doesn't mean that you're not serving anyone else that might need, need sure. service, but you have a very specific target audience and you're really passionate about not just helping them on the day, but actually helping them bring their big dreams to fruition. Kelly, you'd be surprised at how some
1: of these girls are first-generation college students. It's not just about college, right? Your place in the boardroom could be any room, right? We have entrepreneurs that really college isn't their thing, but they started business, hairstylists that that are destined to be extremely successful, right? And so I think about how, had it not been for my sisters at three, no mom, that story could have gone a lot of different ways. And so if I can be my big sister's to some girls that otherwise wouldn't have anybody in their lives. Not, and I'm just not talking about people that you see on TV. I want to be yeah. reachable. I want them to have my number in their telephone and be able to call me and say, hey, can you meet me at the library? Can we talk it out? I have a problem about something. And so I just love the fact that it's needed. These
0: girls are thirsty for it. And it does
1: my heart good to see them again.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, what you just said is, is what really sets you and what you're doing apart because there are a lot of mentoring programs out there, and I know I participated in some of them, where you do on the day of, you spend a lot of time and you and you invest your effort, but then we all get on with our lives and, and everybody's busy. And you in particular, you are you, we have the same age child. I know how you do it. As people say to me, I don't know how you do it. I say to you, I don't know how you do it. And and you are still investing on a really personal level with these young women. So you kind of touched on it, but that really does come from your own personal story, right? It does. It really does. You know, one of the things that I remember my
1: dad saying to us as kids, it was no matter where you go and, you know, what you decide to do with your career, you need to always be a servant leader. Mm -hmm. And that never left any of us. I'm the youngest of 12, Kelly. But anyway, that's one of the things that he's instilled in us. He instilled in us that you want to serve people think back to when you were in high school doing what you absolutely loved to do best for me i was 16 and that was being a cheerleader so every friday night i looked forward to cheering on the football team go bucks go so in my scarlet and gold uniform i was all about being this cheerleader but there's just one problem My father. Every Friday night, we actually had church and we would help the underserved kids in the community, oftentimes feeding them. And I would always be concerned about not making it to the football game on time. And anybody that knew me growing up knew that my dad was serious about a couple of things going to church and helping in the community was one of them. And I always felt in my heart that we gotta do this because it's a possibility that these kids may not otherwise have a meal. And so just what my dad intended to happen, happened. A servant leader was born and I became that servant leader. And so I grew up, have 12 siblings and my father insisted that each of us would give back. So my mom died when I was three and you can imagine Any young girl at three not having a mother in her life, the story could go a number of ways. Fortunately for me, I had big sisters. Like I said, there were 12 of us. My mom died when I was three, and my dad never remarried. 12 kids, never remarried. So my sisters played these role models, oftentimes a mom for me, in my life growing up. So if there was a time when I needed to know what I should wear or what I should say on an interview or how I should date this guy, my sisters were there for that. I think about as I've been growing up and, you know, entering into this career space that I'm in, I often think about how my story could have ended. It doesn't matter what position I'm in or what role I play, whether it's at church, whether it's at, you know, in a community group, whether it's at work. I want to serve these young girls and it's near and dear to my heart. As you mentioned, this is my life story. I think about all of those experiences and I'm like, wow, if we could just impact a girl's life and change her story, that would be amazing. And you know, one of the things that I like to share is that I've always been a dreamer, right? We talked a little bit about dreaming. I've always been a dreamer. And what I believe is little girls dreams turn into adult women's vision. And, and, and I love for them to dream. I encourage these girls and brown girls in the boardroom, dream, like don't put limits on yourself, right? There's unlimited possibilities out there. You can be whoever it is that you desire to be, right? Yeah. You're going to have to put in the work, but it's near and dear to my heart because brown girls in the boardroom is my story. It is my story. So I can do it with a high level of authenticity and realness. And I think that comes across to the girls is that I'm not just talking about something that I read or that this is my life, (laughs) right? I just get excited. I get excited about the things that I dreamt about that are now becoming real for me.
0: So our theme this year is really about elevating women's stories and kind of exploring the idea of what it means to live on purpose. And you have clearly stepped into your purpose in this, in this space. So how do you define for yourself? Because we all define it differently. How do you define that sense of purpose and take action in the world to actually live it out? So, you know, when I think about purpose, I think about being able to do something, be
1: intentional about doing this thing and that it gives you a feeling of fulfillment like you have never, ever gotten before. I think about becoming Jackson's mom, right? Before I had Jackson and I had you know him late in life, um, I didn't feel like I needed a kid, but I loved kids, but I just didn't feel like I needed one of my own. Mm-hmm. So we intentionally got pregnant. And then once I became his mom, I'm like, this is the best feeling ever. And I feel like that with brown girls in the boardroom. I feel like I was pregnant with something and I gave birth to it. And that's my purpose, right? I feel good about it. When my feet hit the floor, Kelly, the thought of knowing that there are some girls' lives that are going to be impacted by what Melissa intentionally does today, mm-hmm. that confirms that I am living out my purpose and that this is literally what God has intended me to be doing. To be able to help these young girls because I think about what my life could have been had it not been for my sisters playing this role that I desire to play in other young girls' lives. I just... I, it moves me in ways that I can't even explain
0: it's purpose. I mean, it's so clear. I think for everybody that meets you and hears your story that you are living that purpose by being a powerful, dynamic, fierce woman, as you are doing, you are also teaching a boy how to experience women and how to meet a woman who will live up to their hopes and expectations. Absolutely. I
1: feel sorry for the girls Jackson's gonna date.
0: I really do. Right now I'm publicly stating
1: that my husband will laugh hearing this podcast because I just feel I feel sorry
0: for, her, for yes. the young girl. I love it. Give, give your children high expectations. Yes. Live up to them. That's I right. love that. You are a bundle of energy, but of course I know there have been times that you have had to overcome challenges um, you know, personally, professionally Is there a story that you can share that just highlights maybe a moment in time or a particular experience where you really had to like get all of that energy and that courage up to get past it? And obviously look at you now, but we all have those challenges. So can you share a little bit? I I can
1: actually. And so oftentimes working at a company, you know, leadership changes, dynamics change, your team changes. And I like to pride myself on being able to be flexible, but I am firm in the things that I really believe in. And I'm pretty strong from uh, a, a, an opinion statement, from the things that I know to be true and I know to be right and the things that are near and dear to my heart. So there was there was a time when um, I had a leader and it was clear that we, we and, and I struggle with saying whether it was a personality issue, but uh, the, the short of it is, We were not both going to be successful in that space. And I realized that, Kelly. And I felt really, really bad about it because with other leaders, I had been successful in the same role, right? And so clearly to me, it was something that I was not going to overcome. But what I felt was I started to feel myself feeling like I wasn't enough or I didn't add up or she or he or them, whoever didn't think enough of me, right? And so it bothered me. Like so much so that I started saying, Melissa, get yourself together. And what I think is important about this story is I never forgot, Kelly, who I was. And I think when we get in situations like that, it's easy to just kind of be consumed with the situation not being so good, not really understanding what the the impact is going to be. But it was in those times where I said, Melissa, you know who you are. You know your value. You know your worth. You know you're just as educated as you know folks to your right and to your left, and so you gotta you you gotta reach way down and say, I know who I am, and even if I'm not right for this, I know when to exit stage left, right? I know when this is something that I can't overcome, and I now need to grow in another space, and that's how that that's how I view it, right? And so in this particular uh, situation, it was just that it was time for me. To do something different. But I tell you, it, it it was a hard moment in time, if you will, for me, for my career, right? Because it easy, it, it is easy to feel like I'm just not enough, or I just didn't, you know, I, I didn't answer the mail on this one. And so I think it's then as women that we need
0: to reach down and really understand our value, our work, and who we are and what we bring. I think that's such a beautiful illustration of what each and every one of us, I know everybody who's listening has done that at some point in time, right? Where we've let, especially somebody who's our boss or our leader or somebody that we admire or maybe don't admire, but they're in a position above us. And we think our outcomes are going to be based on their decisions. And I love how you kind of reframed it into, this is who I am. And maybe I've either outgrown or I I need a bigger pond to to swim in. Sure. Or I simply, this situation isn't for me and I have the ability and the capacity to, to move out of that and do something that is. And I think that's a really powerful message for so many of us, right? Whether it's something that we've created for ourselves or the example that you gave of just a dynamic that we can't always solve other people. It is. <laughs> it is. And we got
1: to know, we got to be flexible enough to be okay with having to pivot. Right. And I think oftentimes, I mean, we get it. Women in the workplace, it's a big deal when we become leaders and, you know, and so it's hard sometimes to let go of things because you're like, well, what if this opportunity doesn't come again? Right. But I think it's okay to say I'm going to pivot. Right. I'm going to be flexible enough to, like you say, go and swim in another pond. I think all too often we get we get put in this box and we don't want to move because we don't know what the other side looks like looks like, right? And, and, and I will add this, that what I do believe is that there is something greater for me, right? I know what, what the Bible says about our lives. And so I stand firm to that as well. And so I think sometimes that kind of allows me not to fall by the wayside, if you will, is because I'm strong enough.
0: Well, I love that. And I, you kind of answered my next question, which was just this kind of general idea of what keeps you motivated, Right, And you've you said a few things that kind of touch on that. You said, I'm excited to step out of bed in the morning because I know that I'm going to make an impact. But real life is like work, right? And so even yes. when you find your purpose, and even when you are following your dream, or you know you're making an impact, sometimes it's just a lot of work. Yes. So how do you stay motivated to just sit down in front of the computer and do the thing, which is not as fun, right? I know, right. <laughs> Kelly, what I'm learning now, is- 50 has changed a lot of things in my life, right? My
1: body tells me that you ain't 25 anymore and you can't do it all. So one of the things that I am really embracing is help, knowing that I can ask for help, right? I don't have to be up till 3 a.m. in the morning, you know, getting board documents because there are so many women out there that really want to be a part of something like this and they can help. I happen to have nieces who are, you know, recent college graduates and I'm thinking, hey, you got to pay it forward, like- you gotta pay this thing back, and so I leverage them, but 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 it it there's something about seeing it through, right? I talked about being a dreamer and seeing this dream come to fruition. Like I can't let it fail. And what I think about at times when I'm really tired and I'm really exhausted is I start looking at all the little brown girls' pictures that I have. So one of the exercises that we did when I first launched was we did professional headshots for the girls, mm-hmm. and I literally have those headshots in my office. And from time to time, I look at those pictures, and I'm like, this is going to be our next you know, attorney general, or this is going to be our next pediatrician, right? And that keeps me going. And I purposely put those pictures there in, in my office, in front of my computer, because I know there's going to be times where I'm burned out, and I'm like, I just can't do it anymore. But it gives me hope to know that you are doing it for them. You are doing it for these little girls that are depending on you, Melissa, to help them succeed in life. And so that coupled with my faith. And then... I got a little eight year old, right? Who keeps his mom very young. And so I think there's something about my energy
0: level that feels like I have to kind of match Jackson's energy mm-hmm. level. So that keeps me going as well. I love that. I, I have to admit that as much as I think I have a lot of energy, I know I don't have as much as you and there's no way I will ever have as much energy as my son. <laughs> he just never stops. So I, I, I can't even imagine trying to right. match that. <laughs> So okay, as we kind of close this conversation, I want to reflect on a story that you shared, which you shared, a, you, you're doing a lot of things. So you shared a lot of great stories that I think everyone who's listening can kind of walk away and think, how do I apply that to my life? But one of the stories that always stands out for me, and um, that you, sh- you kind of touched on and shared a little bit about was your story of growing up. How has that story touched you? So if it's okay with you, I'm gonna share how it's touched me and what I've learned from you. And then I would love for you to elaborate on that for you as well. Okay. And obviously, I know it carries much more meaning for you. So, you know, for me, hearing that story brings up a lot of thoughts. So the first one is just being inspired by your father, right? To take on 12 children. And I know you've shared with me all of them out in the world doing wonderful, <laughs> meaningful things, yes. which is an incredible accomplishment for absolutely anybody, right? And then the other one is just taking a moment to commend your sisters. They really became your village to help you become the incredibly dynamic person that you are now and to do that really intentionally using their own strengths, right? So one of the things as, as I think you do with your Brown Girls in the Boardroom organization is really highlighting and taking the strengths that each of them had and bringing that to the forefront and, and kind of filling you up with that strength so that you walked away with all of those different benefits. And I think that's a really beautiful thing to kind of think about, to think about each of those people kind of pouring their best into you. So I think that's beautiful. And, you know, I, I, I think about
1: one of the things that I think has allowed me to walk through doors that I've walked through is because of that balance. I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all for anybody, right? And I would love to be able to have that right set of balance to be professional enough, right? But to still be able to have humorous conversations with, with my team, right? And so I think balance is so very important. And that's one of the things that, you know, my sisters, when I think about what they mean to me, even to this day, I mean, we take sister trips. We're very close. We're always in a text chat together or something. And so I think about that and I think about how I always want to be connected to a circle of women that could feed into me so that I have that balance on whatever set I need to be on. Right. I think I've said before that I think our jobs as wives, we're actresses. Right. And so depending on the set that we're on, I go to Providence Jackson School. I'm a mommy. Right. He doesn't care about the title that I have in the office. Like I'm (laughs) Jackson's mom. And that's and it. We you to bring, bring the
0: snacks. snacks.
1: And, and I bring the <laughs> Right. So so I think I think that balance is important. And one of the things that has meant so much to me is that I actually have that balance. And when I go back home to my neighborhood that I grew up in, it's little Melissa, who was a cheerleader with a big mouth. They don't know anything about what I'm doing up here in Jacksonville, right? And so I think having that balance and being able to operate on different sets, I think that's important.
0: Yeah. Well, okay, so our final question, and it's really reflecting on your story, is what is that story calling us to do in our own lives? So I I mean, to be honest, I think you've shared and you are out there living it with brown girls in the boardroom. But I would love if you have additional pieces to add, I would love to hear that. But I'll share, I'll share what it's calling me to do. And I think there's two pieces, which one is to ask for help. When I hear your story, I'm also jealous of all of your amazing sisters, right? Because I think I'm an only child. I didn't have any brothers or sisters to pour into me. And as much as I didn't I didn't have a bad experience as an only child, I'm fine with it. But I also think what a beautiful thing to have these people who are so deeply connected to you. And part of, even She is Fierce, part of that is probably my desire for connection, right? With other women that I admire and to kind of be filled sure. up in a way. So I love the idea of, as you said, kind of asking others to pour into you, but then the other kind of corresponding piece is pouring into others. So finding those people that you know in your life, cause we all know there are people in our lives that could really use that little bit of help. And I think a lot of times I, you know, I tend to be busy. So I might think tomorrow, tomorrow I'll call that person. <laughs> And tomorrow I'll solve that problem or I will take action to be of use to them. And I say it with all good intentions and desire to be helpful. (laughs) And then tomorrow becomes three months for me. And it happens so quickly. So it inspires me to think outside of my schedule and to think about how can I build time in to make sure I am pouring back into people. So I love that piece of your story as well.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, you know, I literally put on my calendar every day,
1: at the top of my calendar, spend one hour today doing something to help a little girl. I literally put that on my calendar, whether it's my drive into work at 8 a.m, calling somebody that I know just started a job, got an interview or whatever, whether it's on my way home, whether it's during lunchtime, but I try to make a conscious effort. I literally am intentional about putting it on my calendar, right, to do that. And what I think we need more of is we need more women that's willing to reach back and pull up another woman. You know, these little girls, they're Kelly, they're so smart. I mean, you think about one wrong turn could totally end their life, right? Or Or take them out of a great career path or something. And so if I know that there are little girls that are depending on me, and I know that my 10-minute conversation could potentially help them or save them, then gosh darn it. I'm going to carve out that time to do it. And I think we need more women that has a commitment
0: to do that. That's so powerful. And I want to add to what you're saying because it made me think of another thing that I really admire about what you're doing that I I am called to do already, but it calls me to do even more. And I hope that this conversation will also call some women who are listening to us. And that is the idea that when you are calling back to serve or when you are trying to lift up other women, that it doesn't always have to be a woman who is easily accessible to you. So I know, especially in the female space, and even you have brown girls in the boardroom, but you are not only focusing on women who are already at the senior executive Correct. level, <laughs> right. how do I get them on a board? You are actually saying, let me reach back and make sure that your origin story is going to work out so that you can get to that point. And I think there's something really beautiful about recognizing potential in people um, and not waiting for them to prove their potential in order to help them. And Kelly, sometimes all they need
1: is to be able to feel good about themselves and what they're doing. This confidence thing goes a long way. I find that when I build them up and bring out, tell them about, they, they write down all the things that they do. I'm like, wait a minute. like. <laughs> amazing stuff right and it's it's not lying it's not over exaggerating it's just somebody acknowledging it um, and i find that once they find that confidence that they need they can really soar but it's it's being intentional about letting them know that there are so many good things that can come from this that can come from you regardless of where you are it doesn't matter how you start it's all about how you finish it. i think i think it's just important to to have them know that there is good inside of you And all you've got to do is expose it to the
0: world. I love that. I I mean, that's such a powerful message for every single one of the girls that you're working with, but it's also a powerful message for every single person who listens to this, right? So wherever we are on the journey, sometimes we have to be reminded there is good in you and it's okay. And you should keep going and pursue and keep working towards your dreams. So I love that. And I'm so grateful. So, Melissa, former Hardway, clearly I'm very inspired by you, as you know. I'm so grateful to you for joining us and sharing your story and sharing some of your insights and inspirational words for our audience. And I want to make sure that everybody who is listening knows how to connect with you, to have you as a speaker, or hopefully to donate and give back their time or whatever they have to give to Brown Girls in the Boardroom. So what is the best way for them to connect with you? We are on social media, of course, Facebook, Brown Girls in the Boardroom, as well
1: as Instagram, Brown Girls in the Boardroom. You can find out more about me and the Brown Girls in the Boardroom on melissafullmorehardwick.com. There's a page that actually talks about the work that we're doing. But so definitely I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, Brown Girls in the Boardroom. And then you can find me at melissafullmorehardwick.com.
0: Okay, so I hope that everybody who is listening to this will run out and like all those social media pages. If you are a company or if you are running an organization, Melissa is a phenomenal speaker that you would be blessed to have on your stage. And Melissa, thank you again for everything you do and thank you for joining us today. It's been wonderful as always. Thank you for having me, Kelly. My pleasure. I enjoy it every
1: time. Love to be in your presence. (laughs) Thank you so much.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of the She is Fierce podcast. If you're ready to level up in your life and start living on purpose, join our community of fierce female leaders and women on the rise who are ready to make more money, find more joy and make their mark in the world. Inside our society membership, our high level CEO mastermind circle, or at our sold out live events. Choose how you want to get involved at sheisfiercehq.com.